Hey everybody, hey everybody, welcome to Back to the Ring. I guess welcome back to the ring, as it were. I'm here with a special guest host, the Blowout Man. How are you today, Blowout Man? I'm doing just excellent. Aloha to everybody. Thank you for letting me be on the show. This is a great honor. Thank you so much. Oh, I don't know if it's that, but you, you're, you're going to be heard by tens of people. <laughs> but... Well, thank you. Okay. I I appreciate that. Um, we're uh, how are things in Hawaii, man? I'm every time I see you post stuff, I'm jealous. Oh, don't don't feel that way, Doctor Bob. You are Ohana, and you always have friends and family here on the island with Ohana Rescue Corporation. Right on, right on. You guys, uh, I I know, man. I just we went there on our honeymoon and did two weeks on uh, Kauai, the Garden Island over there, and it was just. I kept trying to tell my wife that uh, they they need carpenters everywhere, and that we could move there and get a one bedroom little shack, and and I just hang out outside in a a, a shed or something. <laughs> that would be so good to be able to have uh, a nice setup with a wrestling ring, stands. Mm -hmm. Um, really go all the way with it, and uh, I, I got a nice following so far. Nice. But no, I just I have a nice following so far with uh, with some of the legends, with Mick Foley and uh, with um, Sergeant Slaughter and Hacksaw Jim Duggan and Rob Van Dam. Oh yeah. And uh, I'm really excited for the future of of Ohana Wrestling Federation. Thank you for uh, mentioning us, Dr. Bob. Appreciate that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, I love uh, the Ohana Wrestling Federation. Uh, when I was there, we actually went by. We drove by um, uh, the Mia Via uh, Wrestling School, which is on the uh, Kauai. Um, I, I was, it was amazing. This tiny, tiny little building looks kind of like a church. Little white, just uh, wooden building. You'd never suspect anything of it. And here is one of the... Uh, uh, the premier uh, legendary training facilities in the world, you know. Oh, yeah. When they talk about the island of relevancy, mm -hmm. I know that they specifically are talking about the big island. <laughs> uh, the island of relevancy. You, I mean, do you recognize the tribal chief? Of course. I always leave a very respectful salute out and, uh, and warning so when, um, you know, the upcoming challenges are coming, looking for raids. So I'm definitely uh, on board with anything that the WWE has to offer. Oh, they are going to boo him out of the building that first on uh, Money in the Bank. He is going to get just because they were booing him out of the building when he was a baby face. They're just going to tear him up. Anyway, um, let's get into NXT UK. This is actually last week's NXT UK because I didn't feel like I didn't want us to have to rush to take notes on today's show and then uh, and then go over that. So we're just going to go ahead and do last week's. Uh, this was your first time watching NXT UK, wasn't it? This was. And you know what? I wanted to get Nigel's commentary in there because he does an excellent job. Who's Ni Nigel's last name? Uh, Nigel McGinnis. Okay, yes, it is McGinnis. This, oh my gosh, I love his commentary. He's so McGinnis. It, he's so good, and I love how he treats it like an actual sport and starts talking about when you're working down body parts and when people are attacking certain certain areas of the body to set up for a move. It always um, it adds something to it that I think that 
uh, some of the main roster stuff doesn't necessarily translate as well. In the words of that rated R superstar, he gives it panache. Yes, yes. Well, it, also, anytime somebody says something in, uh, in, in that English accent, it kind of tends to translate a little bit more uh, um, sophisticated in some, some way, shape, or form, if you know what I mean. Oh, I, uh, I, uh, I graduated from, from um, an acting school in, in, uh, in Hollywood at the American Academy of Dramatic Arts. Really? I did not know that. Yes. If you were to go and look it up, the American Academy of Dramatic Arts, uh, the alumni of, are, are some of the Hollywood you know, elites. We're talking like Denzel Washington. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, Danny, Danny DeVito, mm -hmm. Robert Redford, some of the greats. They, there's, their pictures so, are down the hall yeah. there at, at the campus in Hollywood. And if you look down the hall, you'll see my picture there, too, as well. So I graduated there. Well, you're in good, proud, proud that. in good company, then, not just a bunch of uh, two-bit hacks. <laughs> no, absolutely not. I, I really studied my craft, and I'm ready for this. Let's, let's get into it. All right, let's do it. Uh, speaking of people who are turned out not to be hacks, the first uh, match was Nathan Fraser versus uh, Kenny Williams. Now, um, I wasn't too excited when they booked this match because I haven't been impressed with either guy so far, but it opened up with a nice lockup. Uh, the, they grappled to a draw, and then there was a nice... Fraser had a nice deep arm drag, if you caught that. That was just fantastic. Um he he missed the very, it. The very first uh, first uh, couple of spots, yeah, he gave him a good one and it branched his arm pretty good. Yeah, um, he missed the dive uh, to the outside after some good offense, and then Williams got that chop block on the knee, which really turned the momentum overall in Williams' favor. Uh, he worked the leg. He started toying with Frazier, acting like a heel. Uh, Frazier sold the leg really nicely, which he hasn't been doing for a while. Um, you know what I mean? Like even I when I have here in my notes, I think I have Williams with the choke block. Yeah. Yeah. He hit that chop block on the back of the knee, worked his knee over rail. And then Frazier had that nice spot where he went up for that springboard, but then his knee buckled on him and he came oh, down yeah. and then he hit a one, one legged springboard off the top. Um, it really showed that, uh, uh, Fraser's learning, as as he's there like every time he i see him he's just a little bit better slowed down a little bit more um williams tries to put fraser away but it's just too much heat and then finally williams cheats like a good heel he cheats he gets the uh he gets that uh the turnbuckle not the pad on the turnbuckle but the pad around the cable off and um yes. and just uh bashes Frazier's head right into it, and then uh, that's that's it. He gets the one, two, three, and the win. I thought it was a good little good little piece of business to show that Kenny's gonna cheat to win. Um, I thought Fraser was impressive, and um, he certainly has a good comeback. I mean, he was trained by Seth Rollins, so you know. What did you think? Oh my gosh, hang on. That's a, that's a little bit to unpack there. Uh, trained by Seth Rollins. That's already that's pretty dice territory right there. <laughs> <laughs> and um, you know what? These young these young athletes, they're hitting their springboard spots, and and, and they're, they're they're nailing them. They're just nailing them. Uh huh. Oh yeah. 
They're good. Yeah. Some good stuff. I can't I can't understand. I, after the match, this is the first time I had seen NXT UK, but after the match, I think didn't the two people come in and, and, and start to destroy um, Walter, or was that the next match coming up? Um, I think that might have been the uh oh no, I think we're getting we're getting ahead of ourselves. I don't I don't have anything as far as the Nathan Frazier that match goes. I think that was just that was uh that just done, ended, done. if I believe. Yeah. And then we get a little yeah. bit of a a little bit of a recap on Jordan Devlin and A Kid's rivalry. Um that was really good. Um, then we got uh, Rampage Brown and Joe Coffey. Did you catch their little interaction in the uh, in the office with Sid Scala? Okay, I like the interaction, and then all of a sudden, uh, he goes, "I didn't tell you you were like homeless, bro." <laughs> <laughs> you get to turn the camera. Yep, yep. <laughs> Cameras get out of the office. Get out of the office. But I like that because, yeah, definitely. So we're gonna conduct. We're gonna conduct business now. <laughs> I didn't say you can film this <laughs> well I like that because it shows a little bit more of a realism in that they're, the cameras are just kind of roaming around backstage but the, the wrestlers aren't always like interested in interacting with them as opposed to everything being a set piece and you know you've you know they're just there doing interviews and, and I don't know it, it speaks to more realism to me there's so much realism the, the European language has a lift to it. It has the mm -hmm. up and down. It goes up and down like a, like a voice. So they're, they're always constantly, you know, uh, talking to each other in their own talking language, mm -hmm. if you will. And I, I, it's good to listen to them. I, I studied their languages. So um, all those little tidbits that they said, I heard when he said, um, when I have to uh, fulfill my media obligations. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that was that's trend seven. That's a little later on in the program. Uh, next, we got a break, and then we come back and we get the little package on Satamora, who just won the NXT UK Women's Title from Kaylee Ray. Uh, I'm still a little upset about that, but I'll get over it. Um, uh, apparently, Amel is going to be her next um, challenge, and that's going to be next week. So um, I'm looking forward to watching Satamora pretty much run right through the French Hope. Because I don't think that Amel, I, I don't, I, I don't, I haven't seen her enough to say if she's any good or not, but she certainly doesn't seem to be on the same level as Satamora. Um, okay. I've seen all these, all these promos for this and um, I'm willing to, I'm willing to be invested in this match with you. I want to see, um, like you said, uh, is it Satamora? Yeah, Satamora. Mako Satamora. See if she can really, really just destroy the London. Well, she's French. She's French. Amelie's French. Yeah, the French hope. That's what she's calling herself. Um, yeah. If you go back and you watch a couple weeks ago and watch the uh, the Satamora Kaylee Ray match because they've done two of them. Uh, go back and watch those matches. That'll give you a real good uh, clue as to how good Satamora is in the ring. You know, she came over from Japan, and she's known over there as, like, the final boss. So, uh, wow. yeah. So she's she, she was a, she's a big deal. Like, I'm really surprised that she went to NXT UK instead of coming directly to the, it, the regular NXT brand. Really? Yeah. That would have been a, that been a, a, 
a, a Royal Rumble entrance for sure. Mm-hmm. So, um, so we got that, and then we get uh, Mark Andrews versus Lewis Howley, who is one half of the tag team champions with Sam Stoker. And if Andrew, the caveat for this is if Andrews wins, then uh, his group subculture, him and uh, Flash Morgan Webster, get a title shot. Yeah. Um, started off a lot of really great back and forth at the beginning. Uh, Howley did a nice, that flare turnbuckle spot where he flips over the turnbuckle and starts strutting across the ropes. Right, almost double J. Jeff Jarrett. Yes. Yes, and then, but, uh, of course, Andrews knocks him down because Howley's the heel, and you don't want the heel to get too much. Um, uh, Sam Stoker causes a distraction, which ends up, uh, Andrews' uh, shoulder ends up getting run into the post. Uh, Howley gets sent outside at one point, and Andrews misses a dive, that, and then gets a, uh, which was a false hope spot. Uh it was a good match, but I feel like Andrews has too many counters that kind of require a little bit of obvious cooperation between him and his opponent. A lot of moves where the guy has to pick him up and help him flip around his shoulders and stuff before delivering like a, a, a pile drive, or not a pile driver, but like a DDT or something like that. I'll stay on topic, but this reminds me of the old spot Triple H used to do when the guy would get thrown into the turnbuckle mm-hmm. and be right into his neck breaker. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Right into his neck breaker. Sometimes he'd have to actually sweep his hand back and kind of go, come on, get in here. Get in yep. here. Yeah. The guy would just be a little bit too far away. <laughs> but. Oh, my, my favorite spots. And I wrote down here, I really like, I really like Howley. Lewis Howley. Yes. They have they have some they have something with Lewis Howley and and, and the other and the other partner that he has Sam Stoker. Stoker. Yeah, their uh, their intro spot on. Mm-hmm. Stuff. They have those nice. Um, they look like Jericho the Lionheart type. Mm-hmm. Uh, really, really awesome. Um, pirate esque. Yeah. Me when I was younger, and I would watch. Uh, a Chris Jericho or a Diamond Dallas Page match, and those fellas would go out there, and they would just almost in the t- terms of swashbuckle, yes, battle it out like swashbucklers, you know. Well, they call them. Oh, go ahead. Where's that? They call themselves the Dandy Highwaymen. So they're, uh, I guess, like a uh, um, like a highwayman were known as as robbers along the highways of England. So uh, and they consider themselves dandies, as in they're very pretty men who uh, uh, um, who think a lot of themselves and their looks. Which you can tell they look like grown men. They they both look very athletic. They both fit fit that heel persona really well. And I just I, they have fantastic matches. Um, I, I've, Howery boys. yeah, ever, you ever heard that term? It's called the Bowery boys. No, no, I haven't. I don't think that's, that's from the gangs of New York. Okay. All right. Yeah. yeah. I've, I haven't seen that movie in so long. Mm. They have the top hats. They wear mm-hmm. the top hats and they wear the really suits with the, with the canes and they called them the Bowery boys. <laughs> yes, sir. But um, Lewis Andrews and, and I mean Howley, my goodness, he with that with that Hogan esque leg drop. Yes, that was really good. Oh my goodness. Um, but, 
But any at the towards there towards the end of the match, Stoker tries to cause a distraction, and Subculture takes him out, and Andrews ends up with the win. Now, my problem with the finish here is one: your partner's getting beat up in the ring all match long, and and Stoker gets taken out by one maneuver. You see what I'm saying? Like, and taken out for a significant period of time. Uh, if you're that, gonna. The wrestler out there just breathing and, and yeah. waiting for his time to come in. Yeah, it it it's well, it's it's unrealistic. If the other guy can get the crap beat out of him and still keep coming back, but you're on the outside as a second, and one, and, and you know you get one maneuver put on you, and then you're just done until the match is over. That kind of it takes away from the realism of it. Um, and I also think that uh, for to be honest. There were so many better ways to finish this match that would let Pretty Deadly have an out as opposed to Andrews just beating Howley flat in the middle of the ring. Um, I, I would have done some sort of disqualification where, um, you know, the referee catches Stoker hitting uh, Andrews with the title on the outside or as he goes into the corner or something, the referee catches him, disqualification, you know, Andrews in um, in Flash Morgan still get Andrews still gets the win, still gets the title match, but it keeps your, your heel team looking strong because they didn't really lose flat in the middle of the ring. Wow. That's good booking, Bob. Thank you. You're a genius. Well, I don't, I don't know about that, but I, uh, uh, I, I just think that that would have been better because I like Pretty Deadly. I don't want them to look weak going into a match with kind of an undercard team. I mean, this they're one of the hotter teams at the moment, but there's a lot better teams. So we'll see. Uh, it's just, you know, it's, that's one of those things. I nitpick a lot of stuff. Um, no, no, it's okay. You go ahead and do that. I'll, I'll, I'll have a nice report. Uh, I wanted to say... That I really like the finishing move. The uh, um, what the 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 uh, Andrews finishing move, the stun dog, the, yeah, the yeah. stun stun dog millionaire is what he calls wow. it. Yeah. I popped. Yeah. I did. I popped in my heart when I seen the move, and then I was like, I saw the three. Yeah. And that was it for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like, a. Oh my God, stun dog millionaire. It's like a stunner, but it's it's more, you know, elevated. <laughs> yeah. Um, I I like it. I like it when it comes out of nowhere like that. But sometimes it feels like there's a little too much setup for it because sometimes it does require the other person to kind of cooperate by helping him kind of flip around their shoulders and get in position to get it. You see what I'm saying? I I, I hear exactly what you're saying. That's a. That's when the RKO starts to come out of, or the spear. I'm sorry, mm -hmm. that when Goldberg, Goldberg came out with the spear, um, off the off the guy that came off the, the ropes. Yeah. During during his uh, broken skull session, he's all well. We had to come up with a new way to do it every time. <laughs> this guy had the best, the best idea, and I was like, dang, he caught him right off the ropes. Yeah. But um. So next we get the little interaction with Jack Stars and Dave Mastiff. Um, I'm not sure what's going on there. I have a feeling that Jack Stars and Mastiff are going to have a, a match sometime soon. We go to break. Tyler Bate announces that he's going to have a Heritage Cup 
match against Mark Coffey for the Heritage Cup Championship. I'm looking forward to that one. If you haven't seen a Heritage Cup match, they're really – yeah, because you haven't seen one in this episode, but it'll, they'll, that'll be next week, I think. And it's going to be – it's a very, very interesting match. It's very different. Um, the whole thing happens in rounds of, like, three minutes – with a 10-second break in between each one. The purpose is to win two rounds. Um, it's it's really cool. They'll, they'll probably do a little graphic that explains the rules a little bit better on that episode. But um, I think I've you'll really already, enjoy I've already, it. I've already seen a couple of shots of it have passed through on my board on, on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And it shows, it shows them wrestling right there with the number on the side. Yeah. And then also, um, you know. So I'm gonna go ahead and go over it as as soon as we're done with this uh, with with SummerSlam 08. SummerSlam 08, yeah, we got to get moving if we're gonna get to that. Um, but we got uh, Laura DiMatteo versus Blair Davenport. This is a, a big premiere. Blair Davenport, previously known as B Priestley, has been in um, Japan for uh, a while. I think she's uh, either engaged or married to um, oh, I can't think of his name right now. Osprey, Will Osprey. Um, so she was a big get for NXT UK because a lot of people thought she was going to go to AEW because she was in Japan for a long time. Um, starts off with a lockup. Um, really, I kind of, towards the end of this, I kind of lost interest. I've had some other personal stuff going on. I kind of like skimmed over a lot of this. Um, uh, Davenport has some nice moves. I don't like the fact that she uses that knee. As a finisher, I don't like that knee because it never it never looks right to me. And the only way to make it look right would to be actually knee somebody in the face. Do you see what I'm saying? Like it always ends up hitting the shoulder or the neck or just somewhere where it kind of looks like, well, that's not really what they're going for. You want if you're going to if you're going to sell it as a knee to the face, it's got to look like a knee to the face. And that just seems like too much too easy to get uh, somebody injured. Right. Both hands pulling towards you when you're doing your knee. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah, that's too much to, to go wrong. Mm-hmm. When all the, all the adrenaline is pumping and you're right there in the heat of battle. Um, so, but it was still a good win. Not the best promo after the match, but I have a feeling that since she's been in Japan for so long, she hasn't had to do a whole lot of promos because they don't really do angles in Japan. It's usually just, you're fighting this person, you're fighting that person. Um, Jenny delivered a great promo on Eva Valkyrie. Um, of course, everyone who's watched the show before knows I'm a huge fan of Jenny. Um, uh, the best line was, you're just a little girl playing dress up. I thought that was just absolutely fantastic. Uh, just great, great heel work um, by Jenny. Um, then, yeah, right? And then we get uh, Teo Man with, um, I think his name's Raj or something, Raj Rohan or something like that. I can't remember his exact name, which that's on me. Uh okay. But we get him at the table now. A couple of weeks ago, Teoman did uh, a he did a promo from this table where all the seats were empty, and then last week we found out that Raj had come over and joined Teoman's side, and now we get a promo with him at the table with Raj sitting in one of the seats, which on a <clears throat> 
what I'm now calling the lost episode of Back to the Ring that Gears and I were supposed to have recorded and it didn't get recorded correctly. Gears actually talked about having that promo where he was at the empty table, but every time somebody came into his stable, another seat would be filled. They'd be sitting at the table. And here we go, a week after we said that, Teoman's got somebody sitting at the table with him. So I thought that was a, a I just wanted to give Gears a shout out on that because he he called that one. And that was yes, a that, that was a shot. That was a good shot for the Gears. Uh, I give Gears also a nice shout out. Thank you so much for our Young Girls Collide World Collide tournament overall team. Let's mm-hmm. go back through it. Well, we'll we'll see. I you know, WWC still very much uh, not happening at the moment because D Rod's got all the stuff for it, and but he's got a PS4. I've got an Xbox, and frankly, I kind of want to do my own thing with my own Legends Wrestling Federation on uh, on Saturdays. Yeah, it's um, it's a CPU driven. Uh, the only thing I do is is choose who's going to feud with who. I don't book any of the matches, none of the outcomes. Um, and it's all, the the entire roster is all either uh, former WWE legends that are no longer with us or no longer with the company or people who were recently with us who are no longer with the company. Uh, so it's it's a, quite a big roster, but um, it's, it's kind of cool to see, you know, like, a couple of weeks, the last uh, last pay per view, we had Ricky Steamboat versus uh, Ty Dillinger, also known as Sean Spears. I was like, "That's a match you're not going to see anywhere else." So, wow, I don't, I don't remember. I do. I know Steamboat, but I, I can't remember off the top of my head Dillinger. He's known as Sean Spears on AEW. Um, okay. Uh, but yeah, it's just, it's, it's, it's a little different and I'm doing commentary and it's basically just an excuse for me to practice my commentary. But, uh, so then we get into, um, Trent seven versus Eddie Dennis after the break. Now, um, I don't have a lot to say about this match. Cause like I said, I got distracted by some things, but, uh, Dennis, I, I do think Eddie Dennis is too thin for his size. I think for being as tall as he is. He should put on a little bit more upper body mass just to kind of like, because it looks weird. I mean, I'm, I, I, I hate to say that, but it just does because he's got these skinny little arms and these lanky skinny legs and this big barrel chest. And it's just kind of a little, you know, it looks like he's going to break or something. <laughs> I thought he had a great match. This was when I had, when I saw uh, Trent Seven mm-hmm. uh, promo right before getting into the, the ring. Oh yeah, he's got he's, he's got he's got nice moment to moment stuff. Yes, yes, Trent Seven. Great, really great moment to moment. His uh, oh yeah, his 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 demeanor, his persona. Mm-hmm. He really embodies like all of his grizzly hair he has on oh, his yeah. face and his 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 tights. I like him. I like I like seeing old fashioned wrestlers wear their tights like I used to remember when I was younger. Yeah, and yeah. They, they go in there and they just bash it out. <laughs> Trent Seven has that type of style. Definitely, I uh, I'm I'm a big fan of Trent Seven. Uh, you you missed uh his promos when he was doing he was doing a, a segment with uh, Jordan Devlin where he was trying to get down below um. 100 or 205 pounds to challenge for the cruiserweight championship and of course this was during the pandemic and everything and they did a lot of um 
a lot of like promos about it and like packages and stuff and it really it, it was really good of course we i mean wwe is great at doing those packages anyway but uh but this right. one with Trent with Trent Seven was just fantastic. Wow, was he hitting the weights and was he hitting the the, the treadmill? Oh yeah, he was hitting the weights and they had him running on a uh, like a big uh, not a mountainside but like just a big hill where he was uh, um, a big hill in London where he was kind of doing the uh, almost like the Rocky thing where he's running up the mountain in Russia. You know what I'm talking about, Drago. <laughs> so but yeah no it was it was good and this was a good match like there's no doubt about it it was fantastic both of these guys put in a lot of hard work and really um really took it to another level with the uh the physicality especially um yeah i was gonna give you the the, the chops that trent seven lashes in He's not afraid to throw them, and they're gonna hit. You know, they're gonna hit somewhere. Oh yeah, yeah. He's he's got really good chops, and that that lariat he throws is just deadly looking, especially when it comes in out of nowhere. But um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Trent Seven ends up getting the win. I didn't. Th I was I was unsure if he was gonna get the win for a second there because uh, Eddie Dennis got that. Uh, um, those what was it that big um a razor's edge that he does right. and then he does that yeah. uh and on then he the, on the buckle yeah and i was like that's just he that's ridiculous he's gonna win this match and then lo and behold trent seven pulls it out so good for him it was a good match um i just I had a hard time focusing on it but that is what it is uh anything else you want to say about nxt uk before we move on very, very interested in getting into it. The, the next episode, I'm excited. This is this is me excited. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm excited too. Wait till uh, Walter versus Dragonoff two is going to be fantastic. The first one was in my in my opinion, the first one was match of the year last year. I think it just or uh, yeah for 2020 it was it was the match of the year i um i'm it was a contender unfortunately it didn't make it um anyway so that's that's going to be good there's a lot to look forward to in nxt uk but now we hop in our delorean we get up to 88.8 .8 miles an hour and we go back in time to the ring Now we're going back to SummerSlam 2008. Uh, we have, this is in Indianapolis, Indiana. This is a uh, split announced crew. We have uh, JR and Taz for the SmackDown matches and Cole, Michael Cole and Jerry the King Lawler for the Raw matches. Um, has kind of a slick opening that kind of goes back over the uh, Undertaker Edge package a little bit. And then they get right into it with uh, Jeff Hardy versus MVP. Any thoughts on this match? Um, we're live in front of 15,927 fans. Uh, I really I like Jeff Hardy's uh, intensity with that, with that, um, the song. Uh, she's just riding on the wall. Yeah. And then he hits the he hits that 
awesome spot on the turn buckle where he's just kind of floating right there for a second, giving everybody a second to get the pictures in. <laughs> and then we get we get into this, and um, it's going to be a roller coaster. It starts out as 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 it's going up like a roller coaster, and it's getting ready for a, a sweet ride. We're going to see some great one-on-one lockups. Yep. And MVP and and uh, Jeff Hardy both keeping their gear all the way on the whole time tight. I like yeah. Yeah, it was it was a good match. Um, it starts off had a hot start because there was this was a hot feud. Uh, Hardy gets the quick advantage. MVP has a had a beautiful counter suplex. Uh, works the neck and back. Uh, can't put Hardy away. Uh, there was a spot where Jeff's head hit the mat when he was caught up in the tree of woe that kind of worried me for a second. Um, right. I he, like the tree of woe. I wrote that down in my notes. We don't hear that enough these days. Um, and then let's see, uh, Hardy has a counter to MVP's corner kick. He gets a good comeback. I love the whisper in the wind. I wish that he were in shape to do that, still do that move. It's hard to see him, you know, not be able to do the moves he used to, but it's great here. But then when he gets up on the top and he dives on Shelton on the outside and misses a swanton bomb, MVP hits that drive-by kick and just floors him. One, two, three, MVP gets the win. Uh, overall, I thought this was a really good match, though. I gave it a, uh, I gave it an A because it just it, it was a great way to start off. Very in- high-intensity match. Uh, Babyface, you want to see win. Great way to start off a pay-per-view. It was. It's great. It was great booking. I'm glad they brought them out to start the show off. This was one heck of a ride. Yep. Then we get a um, promo from Santino and Beth Phoenix. I am not a fan of Santino. I think he's super phony. I know it's, he's trying to be funny and goofy, but it doesn't. It comes off as very forced and very trying to entertain, as opposed to um, trying to be real and be entertaining. Um, we go right from that promo into uh, Mickey James and Kofi Kingston who are the women's champion and intercontinental champion, respectively, versus uh, Santino and uh, Beth Phoenix. Um, what did you think of this match? I have, uh, I have down in my notes here that this is a Mike Adderley match. What is, what is that? Is that the uh, ref? The first a ge- a general manager, Mike Adderley. Oh, okay. Okay. Okay, so it has him written all over it. You think? That's what this. That's the. That's that's what the reviews say. Yeah. Um, yeah, I didn't. I gave it a B, uh, just because Kofi and Mickey and Beth are so good that Santino, like, he's just kind of there, but I can ignore him because Beth and Kofi. And Mickey are so good. Um, I liked Beth giving, uh, getting some work in with Kofi. I thought that was cool to see her fighting the fighting a guy. Um, I was I wasn't happy that Santino ends up with the Intercontinental Championship, but uh, I guess that kind of is what it is. You're going to have one of those guys get it. Yeah. So, um, but overall, I thought it was a I thought it was a more entertaining match than a good match, but it's still, I, I think like a B was, I think a B is pretty fair. I think gears ended up giving it a C. So 
that is what it is. Uh, we move on from that to um, HBK and Jericho package, uh, which was this was a big deal. I remember this. Um, I don't as much remember it happening as I remember after the fact people telling me about it. Um, HBK comes out and does his little announcement because uh, his eye got messed up. And he says he he's went, he went through the Jericho storm. Yeah, yeah. I've earlier. yeah. We uh, um, they do they show that they show that footage a lot when they talk about when they used to talk about Chris Jericho when he was still with WWE. Um, but uh, then he says, uh, you know, he's like, "Do I walk away?" And um, he then he does, and then he says, "The doctors say I'm going to, so I will." But. Uh, then he starts running down his career highlights, and here comes Chris Jericho, and he Jericho's all pissed off. He's like, I, "I admit that I retired you," and Shawn Michaels is like, "Fine, I'll admit that I retired you if you do go home and tell your kids that Daddy will never be Shawn Michaels," which I thought was just a great like that. Just dug the knife right in there and twisted it for Jericho. You, you, you can see Chris's bottom lip just start to quiver. <laughs> so then Jericho goes to punch Sean and ends up hitting Sean's wife. I thought they milked his wife being down a little too long, but that's kind of WWE. They like to they like to stretch out those moments like that. But um, overall, I thought it was really good. Uh, she sold it well. I think she might have actually gotten a little bit of a punch because her lip was a little little fat there either it was a punch or somebody was pinching on their lip to get it to swell up <laughs> i doubt it i think he, he connected on the bottom lip and she was she was swelled up a little bit yeah and uh um it was an uh ex nitro girl yeah yeah it was uh, yeah um because that was in sean's just the biography recently Started talking about that and how she was the one who basically got him to turn turn around and like like look listen we you can't be around the kids like this anymore you know so I don't know I've, I'm I'm happy that she got him to turn his turn his shit around and and because his I'd still say that Sean's second half of his career his second run is better than his first half. He may have won more titles in his first half, but I think in his second half, he had overall better matches and seemed like a better, easier person to deal with in the back. I don't want to stand on, on the fence at all in any of that. I, I agree with you. I, I, I like the transition that the man made later on in his career, and he, he gave all of us uh, uh, something to look up to when we were growing up. Oh, yeah. Um. So then we get uh, Matt Stryker and somebody, I don't even remember what his name is, uh, as are the um, the commentaries for ECW. I guess this is when they were doing the ECW. I, I like listening to Matt Stryker. I, yeah. I like his commentary. It's really good. Um, so we get Matt Stryker, and, and then uh, Matt is Matt Hardy versus Mark Henry for the ECW championship, and Mark Henry has Tony Atlas with him. Um this was this was set up to be a nothing match so that Jeff Hardy could come out and they could continue the Matt Hardy Mark Henry feud and get the fans hot about it. 
because Jeff had the fact that Jeff had uh, Mark Henry with a twist of fate, and that was going to be a one, two, three at the very beginning of the match is almost unbelievable in it in and of itself. Because I mean, Mark Henry's a big dude, and I would think you'd have to do more than that to get him to stay down. Um, so it ends up in a DQ because, t- of course, Tony Atlas interferes, and then Jeff comes to the rescue. And both of the Hardys suplex Mark Henry. I gave it a C plus. I thought it was a good little piece of business. It, everything doesn't have to be a twenty minute match. Everything doesn't have to be, you know. You you can have stuff like this that kind of just, you know, it takes up a minute and a half, two minutes, but it's it, it continues something and it keeps the the narrative moving for both of those guys. And you get to see Hardy Boy action. Um, mm-hmm. Right on um, the House of Pain. I remember the the promos leading up to this when I was younger, watching him bend the frying pan in front of Edge. Yeah. And uh, and it was it was just they were like, oh my god, he's bending the frying pan. And, <laughs> <laughs> oh my it's awesome stuff to watch. Right. So after SummerSlam, oh hey, awesome stuff to watch. Yeah, it was a, uh, it was, it, 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 like I said, it was a good little piece of business. Then we get the little, the little poll, the little vote-in poll of Will, Edge, and Vicky divorce. Okay, yeah, that, I didn't, I didn't miss that. That, the poll was up there. Um, then we get a CM Punk package with, that happened, having to have JML, JBL in it because JBL saying that CM Punk isn't a real champion because he got, he won the money in the bank and cashed it in. <clears throat> So, uh, so they're going to have a, so basically JBL is calling CM Punk out and then they go right into the match. I kind of like the fact that these packages all happen right before the match. Sometimes they'll do these packages like a couple of matches before, and then it's like, well, no, I want to see the package right before the match so I, I can get invested. Um, JBL versus CM Punk, uh, for the big gold belt, uh, I know it's called the World Heavyweight Championship or whatever. It's always, I'm always going to call it the Big Gold Belt because that's what it is. Uh, but uh, they start in a lot. Uh, they get a lockup to start. Uh, JBL is super powerful here. Uh, Punk gets an early advantage, but JBL uses his power to turn the momentum. Um, has a great fallaway slam from the second rope that was just beautiful. JBL works to the back. What was that? I said, wow. Yeah, uh, J- that was a, that was a uh, hellacious uh, fallaway slam from the second rope. Mm-hmm. It took all the wind out of CM Punk. He was out for a second there. It really did, and it looked fantastic because that's not something you see you often see JBL do. I don't think I've I've seen him do that. Of course, I'm not. I didn't watch a whole lot of JBL, so. But uh, this this definitely put this match put both CM Punk and JBL in a new light for me because they had a really really good match here. Um, Punk won't stay down. Uh, uh, JBL starts is gets a lot of good heat on Punk. Punk gets a couple of false hope spots. Uh, he goes for the GTS, but his back gives out. I love it when things like that happen. When you use uh, an injury or or a a body part that's been worked earlier in the match, and somebody goes for something big and it just doesn't. They can't get it because of that body part. Um, JBL starts getting frustrated. Um, there's a nice, there was a nice spot where ju- uh, Punk did a springboard into a power slam where JBL caught him and then just poof, power slammed him. Um, I, had a, I had a note for that. Uh, 
CM Punk was always great for doing that spot. I think Viscera once gave him a Samoan uh, backdrop off the top rope. Oh, wow. Nice. And Viscera, yeah, was, <clears throat> Viscera was a hard guy to work with because he didn't understand, I think, his own strength because he, he hurt a lot of guys. He wasn't a super careful guy. Um, so uh, uh, let's see. Punk counters the, uh, the, um, the clothesline from hell and then starts to get a comeback. And gets cut, and but it's a false open spot. But then punk, punk gets cut open, and they almost immediately go into um, a go to sleep in his finish. I think he wasn't supposed to get cut open there, and they were worried because um, it was a pretty it was pretty bad. I think if it were me, I would have let it go on a little bit longer because the image of Punk with the blood dripping down his face, hoisting JBL's big ass up onto his shoulders, and giving him the GTS would have really like that would have been a great visual you know what i mean like yes. that would have i mean this match stole the show to begin with in my opinion but i think that would have really stolen like the whole pay-per-view that would have been what everybody was talking about um um right they 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 did that they ended it um and then punk at the end said i will bleed for this yep <laughs> But yeah, I mean, as the past couple of uh, um, the past like year, year and a half, I've been watching a lot of older stuff. And between that and his comments on modern wrestling, I've developed a much bigger respect for CM Punk than I had beforehand because uh, I didn't watch during his run. So, you know, a lot of this stuff I've never seen. But um, so, yeah, they had a good match. I gave it an A. Because I thought it deserved, like, it was, again, to me, this was the match of the night. Um, you know, there's two more, but three more matches after this. Yeah, but to me, this was the best match of the card. Um, then we get the package on Kali and Triple H, which heads right into the great Kali versus Triple H for the WWE title. Um, best thing I can say about this match, and I gave it a B, is... Um, Triple H sold like hell for Kali. He sold crazy well, especially when Kali put him in the vice grip. Like Triple H is waving his arms around and passing out and looks like he's just in misery. And he had a good match with the great Kali, which is not easy to do at all because the guy's, you know, basically he's not immobile, but he doesn't move around very well, you know? What did you he think? Did. He went for the he went for the chalk lock. Yep. On the great colleague. Yep. And that was like, oh no. Yeah. I'm like I'm thinking I'm thinking Cully's on the outside and the game's coming after him and and they're not moving. Yep. <laughs> but um yeah, that was good. That was good. Of course going after the knees is got is what you got to do with a guy like Kali. You got to get him to where he can't stand that well because once you get him off of his vertical base and and horizontal on the mat then you can kind of work him over a little bit better. But I thought it was I thought it was good. Um the the spot where Triple H goes for the pedigree and then gets back dropped on the floor. I know he's done that a lot, but um it was uh it was good. I, I thought I thought overall it was a good match. Triple H ends up getting the pedigree on Kali, which they were worried he couldn't do, which I mean, with a guy that size, it looked a little, it was a little, you know, it was a little iffy there, Triple H. But I, I have Taz written down here. He says, 
He did it. <laughs> he had the ability to lock into pedigree and boom. <laughs> yeah, Taz is actually like Taz. I didn't really like Taz for a while, but he's he's won me over on his commentary. Him and Jr. are really good together. Um, and then of course we get the uh, so Triple H wins. And then they go into the package on uh, Batista and Cena. Uh, which this is their first time ever, and these are two OVW guys. They were in OVW at the same time uh, under uh, under Cornette, and then came in, and uh, both of them became huge stars. Uh, Cena comes out, then Batista comes out. I gotta say, these guys both have some of my favorite theme music ever. Like John Cena's theme music gets stuck in my head all the time, but I love Batista's "I Walk Alone." Like, that's just such a good tune. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah I remember being in Iraq, walking around, doing the Barksy's. <laughs> right there in the beat back. Yeah. Yeah, because, uh, you know, we listen, we get to watch on the on the um, military network. It watches all of the pay-per-views and all the WWE networking. Oh, yeah. All time. Oh, yeah. I know. When, uh, when I was stationed in Pensacola, Pretty much every barracks on, um, was it Mondays? I think it was Thursday nights at that time. It might have been Friday night SmackDown. But Mondays and Fridays, anytime Raw and SmackDown were on, the common rooms were all packed. Because there at the school, every common room had a big screen TV on every floor. So yeah, like everybody's in the common room watching SmackDown, watching Raw, cheering along with it. And of course, if you're yeah, if you're overseas and you're getting all the WWE stuff, I think that that's a really cool thing that Vince does. I I, I appreciate Vince's appreciation of the military. Um, you know what I mean? I know exactly what you mean, Doctor Bob. But um, <laughs> so but let's go into this match. I start off with a lockup. Uh, there's a lot of uh, lockup back and forth. A lot of big power moves in this one. Um, Batista works on the leg, puts in the figure four, which doesn't look great, but for a guy Batista's size to be able to get his legs into a figure four is pretty impressive. Uh, Cena, very impressive. Uh, Cena sells it really good. Uh, they have a rope break, and then uh, uh, Cena fu's Batista to the outside. Ends up giving him a five knuckle shuffle. And then Batista gets that beautiful spawn buster on Cena. He's got one of the all-time best-looking spawn busters because he's so big, and the way he just picks a guy up and just slams him down like that is just it always looks good. But of course, Cena's got to get the STFU. Um, I did say that the crowd reacts to everything Cena does in this match. If you go when you watch it, like half the people are booing him, some of them are cheering him. But everything he does gets a reaction. Um, he uh, John Cena, when he was the prototype, wrestled uh, a match at my high school in La Fuente, California, when I was still in high school. What? Yes. That's crazy. Yes. Doink the Clown was there. The show went off without a hitch. Nice, nice, nice. Um, and... Um, Back then, when he was the prototype, John Cena, he has a nice punch. Yeah, John. 
Cena does have a very good punch, which again is a very it's a lost art today in the wrestling industry to be able to throw a punch and make it look good and not look phony. Um, definitely, that's I think that's why everybody throws those forearms. Everybody throws the forearms because nobody knows how to do how to throw a working punch. Um, but it, uh, but C- no, Cena does have a great punch. I love his uh, love the way he delivers it. If you, especially with the right guy, um, it always comes out looking good. Uh, I was surprised here Batista actually used the Kimura lock, the uh, the rear naked choke on John Cena. Like I've I've. I don't think I've ever seen Batista use that move. And then seeing him put it on Cena was really impressive. Uh, then, he, of course, he gets the spear, which only gets a two count. And then Batista starts selling his knee, which I thought was great. Uh, Batista's work on selling his knee on the second half of this match was really good. Because every time he stands up, he's kind of limping around. He walks slower. Um, right. He goes... Um, you know, uh, the first time he goes for that Batista bomb, it, he, you know, his knee kind of buckles and he can't get get a very good uh, thing out of it. Uh, Cena hits the FU, gets a two count, uh, goes for that leg drop, but ends up getting uh, power bombed instead. And then Batista okay. bombed and then Batista gets the win. I thought it was a really good, I thought it was a good match. Oh, it was an awesome match. Um during, during the time when you were growing up, these were your two guys right here. And if you were in high school, you were either wearing a John Cena t-shirt or you were wearing a Dave Bautista t-shirt. And when these two guys finally joined up on Monday Night Raw, it was like, oh my goodness, the two biggest guys, these two guys are our guys. I seen him wrestle at my high school. So yeah. I'm like, I'm all John Cena. Oh, yeah. I'm... I- yeah, I'm 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 a John Cena guy. Um, I love Batista. Uh, I like Dave Batista actually now that he's retired, even more than I liked him when he was wrestling. Just because I think he's a pretty stand-up dude, and he seems like he's got a good head on his shoulders. Um, right. But I just love, as far as a wrestler goes, I love John Cena. Um, he's there's not a lot of guys that can do what Cena could do and get a guy over even when he was going to win the match. Like Cena could have a 20 minute match with a guy and it's just completely like Cena just puts the guy over the whole match, makes him look like a million bucks and it doesn't matter who it is. Cena just figures out a way to make him look good. Um, so. He has that connection. He has that connection when he's inside that square circle. Mm-hmm. And the fans are right there looking at John Cena, and he gives you that eye, and he starts the match, and he looks into the camera, and he says, let's go to work. Yep. Yeah, I'll, yeah I definitely agree. He connects with the audience. And it's funny, there's so many, I've always, I've, I liken Roman Reigns to John Cena uh, in the past, because I can't, can't I can't count the number of times I've seen Cena or Reigns come into a match where everybody's booing him. Everybody in the entire place is booing him, even though he's the baby face. And by the end of the match, everybody erupts in applause when he wins the match. Like that's, that's good. That is being a great storyteller in the ring. And, and if you can't get people on your side, no matter what, 
then uh, 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 you're you're not on that level. And that's you know, I, I Roman Reigns is the next John Cena. He's you know as big as you're going to get in the wrestling industry today. Roman Reigns and Becky Lynch are the top two people in the company. Um, anyway, yes. Um, now this is where I started drinking. <laughs> After that match, because I, um, I'm not a huge fan of Hell in the Cell matches anyway, and I had already watched this one before, um, when I, before, so I, I kind of knew what I was in for, and I was like, screw this, I'm getting, I'm, I'm getting a six-pack of beer. So, the, uh, the blowout man will cover for me. So, uh, the votes, the, well... Speaking of earlier, the votes are in, and 78% say that Edge and Vicky will get his divorce. Will get divorced. So there you go. There you have it. The internet had spoken during this pay per view. Um, we get the nice scene of the cage lowering. I love the cage lowering music. I wish we could. Get, I wish they'd get that for more just regular matches. You get because NXT's been doing that. You get that. Dung, 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 dung. No, I know. I know. Listen, listen Bobby. You listening? You listening? Yeah. Okay, I've always wanted to be the one to hit the face for the for the cage going down. <laughs> yeah. If they if they let me be in the if they let me be in the back grab the face, I'll just go ding 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 all the way down. That would be awesome. I'd love to see that. I would love to see that. It's. I mean, I wrote it down right here. It's five tons of steel. It's five tons of steel. It's thirty thirty six feet square 20 feet foot wall and when it comes down yeah i want to be hitting that face that'd be awesome <laughs> so we get a little package on uh edge taker and vicky and what's going on there um anybody who's familiar with this time with wwe knows all of that um and then edge and taker come into the cell um edge is nervous you can tell he's nervous at the very like he's trying to look tough and mean and whatnot, but you can tell he is just like hit butterflies all in his stomach. Um, which I mean, I can't blame him if I my first Hell in a Cell match, I'm going up against Undertaker. You know what I mean? I know all the stuff that they're going to do in the match. I'd probably be nervous as hell too. Um, they do a hot start. Uh, Taker starts using the cell. I love the way Taker uses the cell in these matches. Um, he he throws Edge into the stairs. Uh, the stairs go into the ring. Uh, so far, it hasn't been too bad. But then out come the tables. And I I hate that when they do this in match. Edge doesn't pin Taker, even though he's got him down long enough to put a table up. He should be able to have him down long enough for him to pin him. Um, uh, uh, but then he sets up two tables one on top of the other and lets them go. Then he brings out the chairs. Then he brings out another table. And at this point, I was like, he probably could have won already uh, if he put this much in effort into Taker as he puts into playing with the furniture. Um, did you hear? Did you hear the? Sorry, to stop you for a second. But did you hear the uh, promo that he did to Paul Heyman before the Roman Reigns fight and and and, and no. Daniel Bryan? No. He was on talking, talking smack. Yeah. And Paul Heyman told Edge to his face, I'm sorry. I'm sorry what Roman Reigns is going to do to you. I'm sorry what's going to happen. And he gave him like a hug. And Edge took it, 
listening to Paul Heyman. Yeah. And then Edge looked at Paul with his face like this. And he said, Paul, I once balled my body with razor cuts on my stomach and my arm bleeding from going out of circulation yeah. just to be able to compete in this company. <laughs> I am not more. <laughs> he, he gave Paul Heyman like a little kiss on top of his forehead and then he left. But, um, no, I missed that one. I missed that one. But I don't watch any of the other interview shows or anything. I've, if, if it's not on TV, I usually don't watch it, um, except for NXT UK. Um, but then, uh, yeah, they, out comes a ladder. And uh, finally, the whole, all of this setup that they do for like, and it takes forever. It takes like 10 minutes to get all this stuff set up is so that Edge can jump off the ladder with a chair and put Taker through the table. And there's, there's, a, um, uh, there's a saying that Trent Seven had. Uh, this is a couple months ago. It says, uh, he was, said, I hope the juice is worth the squeeze. And I don't think the juice was worth the squeeze on this one. I think all of that setup and everything wasn't worth the spot that they got. Um, that's just my opinion. Uh, you know how I feel about all of the furniture being used anyway. I don't think you need it. I think two guys trapped in a cell fighting each other. You know, maybe one chair, maybe, you know, bounce each other off of the stairs a couple of times. I think that should be enough to sell that they're brutalizing each other. Um, anyway, uh, Taker gets back up and on offense, uh, they go through the sides of the cage, which I thought was, you know, that was, uh, that was cool. Uh, he, they go to the announce table and uh, Edge Spears take, Taker, and then they drop through the ECW announce table. Uh, Taker eats a really bad ladder to the face. That was, that was brutal looking. Um, uh, they bring the camera out, of course. Uh, then uh, Taker gets a um, – the camera comes out, and it's a two count. And then there's a choke slam and a two count. Uh, then Edge gives him a low blow, and then there's a last ride that gets countered into a spear. Last ride, two count. <laughs> Tombstone, counter. Edge goes, old, Edge goes to go old school, counter. Choke slam through the tables. And then Taker – Spears him, and then Taker hits Edge with a camera, and then Taker gives Edge a concerto, and then a tombstone, and Taker wins. Uh, but as he's walking up the ranch, Edge is still moving, so Taker comes back to the cell and throws Edge. Basically, I think it was supposed to be a choke slam, but it looked more like he just kind of tossed him off the ladder. Right. <laughs> but he sends Edge through the table, and a bunch of pyro comes up. Um, for me, this was a phony match. I mean, I get there was a, high, a lot of high spots and stuff, but for me, it's just it was too much stuff being set up, too much phoniness, not enough. Like, if they had just been in there, like, in an actual fight wrestling each other, I would have been more involved, and I would have rather seen that. But it is what it is. Well, this was, this was the first year that they were going PG. Was it? I didn't yeah. know that. Okay. So that, that puts a little bit of a uh, damper on the abilities that they were about mm -hmm. to go to, the lengths that they were about to 
able to go to during that match. Okay, well, that would be why CM Punk, got, when he got cut, they immediately went to the finish. That would make a lot more sense because if this was the first PG year, yeah, then uh, they couldn't have any blood at all, right. even if it was incidental. During the Hell in the Cell, I guess someone must have told, told Edge and The Undertaker, let's go out there and see what you guys can do. Yeah. But we're just probably not going to get any color in this match. Yeah. Well, see, that, that sucks, though, because a, a cage match without color kind of doesn't make any sense to me because if you're rubbing a guy's head against that cage and actually right. rubbing his head against the cage, that would cause you to bleed just little nicks and stuff anyway. Um, I just... And I think that uh, the the cages cage matches should have color in them. I think guys should learn how to get color again. I think it adds to the drama of what professional wrestling actually is, which is, to me, in my opinion, a worked combat sport where things might look dangerous but are safe instead of being dangerous. Period. That's uh, an excellent way to put it. I would call I would call it I would call it sports entertainment, but every sport is entertainment. Yeah, yeah, I can I can see that. Um, I don't like using that phrase sports entertainment because that's a Vinceism, and I don't right. you know what I mean. I don't I don't particularly like those Vinceism. I don't like the fact that he calls hospitals medical facilities. I don't like <laughs> you know what I mean. Like there's just right. little things that Vince you know won't. He won't allow allow guys to call a, a championship a belt. He won't say, you know, or people won't get uh, championship shots. They have to have championship opportunities. Like, it's just, you know what I mean? Little things that, that Vince doesn't like that that are so ingrained in me as a wrestling fan from where I grew up and when I grew up that uh, um, just it just it throws me off, and I don't particularly care for plus i'm still mad at vince for the whole death of kayfabe anyway so <laughs> but yeah that was uh but that was SummerSlam 08 i ended up giving it a b which is one of the highest grades i've given one because there were so many good matches in the uh in in the pay-per-view um any closing thoughts on SummerSlam? i i do have one burning uh quote that's in my head right now i, I wouldn't want to leave the the podcast without coming up with this one. This is an awesome one. During the Triple H match, yes. after Triple H won, and it was JR, he said, Failure! Uh, no, he said, uh, I botched it. Hang on, he said, Success has many fathers, but failure is an orphan. <laughs> the game is not an orphan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like. I really like that one. That was a good, that, that's a good pickup. I'm glad you, uh, I'm glad you caught that one. Um, yeah, JR was fantastic on that whole pay-per-view. So was Taz. Uh, they were all good. Um, I'm not a huge, Lawler goes back and forth for me and I don't like Michael Cole, but yeah, that's, that is what it is. Um, let's see. We're at the end of the program. Um, do you want to come on next week? I would love to be able to come on next week. All right. Well, let's do it next week. Uh, we'll do, uh, the NXT UK that aired tonight. And then we will be reviewing Starcade 1988. Yes. Yes. So um, I believe the main event in that one is uh, Ric Flair versus Lex Luger. Um, I think Scott, or not Scott, Rick Steiner's in action. 
Um, I'm pretty sure Sting might be there, but don't quote me on that. But yeah, there's. I like the, I like the Starcade um, franchise. Mm -hmm. I was one of those kids. I, I didn't have ECW growing up. Uh, not ECW, WCW growing up. So yeah. This is going to be a fun ride. Oh, yeah, definitely. I think you'll enjoy this. And it's a much, I don't know how much of the old school NWA stuff you've seen, but it's a much different style of wrestling than what, than the WWF, WWE. So I think you'll, I think you'll dig it. I think you're going to enjoy the heck out of it. So, uh, We'll do that next week. Um, anything you want to plug before we go, before we let these good people go? I'd love to plug my uh, blowout show. That I oh, do yeah. Every week. Yeah, go it's for it. On, it's on Putting You Over on YouTube. Mm -hmm. And that's YouTube uh, backslash Putting You Over, correct? Yeah, just go to YouTube and then look at the show, Putting You Over. Yep, and that's... And click, the click the show to blow off, and you'll see every week. I'll give you shout-outs on the show. Right on. Yeah, do it to it. Um, and uh, what's your Twitter Twitter handle again? You uh, the Ohana Wrestling. Correct. We're at Ohana Wrestling, and then I also have another uh, handle that's on there. You can see it there. It's the Unknown Superstar the Blowout Man. Alrighty. Uh, so look for Blowout Man there. You're gonna see him uh, next, or you're gonna hear him next week. I haven't gotten to the point where I'm doing. Uh, video with these yet i'm not uh i still got to get my youtube channel up and running first um as far as back to the ring goes you can follow us at back to the ring on twitter um you can find us wherever uh good uh podcasts are found you can also find us wherever not so good podcasts are found um you can follow me at bob zevon b-o-b-z-e-v-o-n that's my personal account um, I'm usually, uh, giving my takes on one of those two accounts. I kind of go back and forth whenever. So, uh, look for us out there and, um, until next time in the immortal words of Tully Blanchard, it's been your pleasure. Good night.